Welcome to the Vibe Chat Podcast. My name is Chris Langley, owner of Vibe Speech Therapy. Today, I'd like to talk about stuttering. Stuttering is one of those speech difficulties when parents come, they are not sure if it's developmental, if there's actually a problem going on. And this is when they're really young. Obviously, if they're much older, it's easier to tell if it's developmental or not because they already have their language, speech and language skills. But when they're young, it can be a little bit confusing. And one of the first things I notice is their parents are concerned about their child being frustrated or being embarrassed to speak and whatnot. And it can really leave you feeling helpless when you watch your child struggling to express their thoughts and emotions. And there is a natural time frame. For example, two to three and a half years old, we wouldn't consider that a time of stuttering. That's developmental in nature. This is a natural phase of learning and kids are learning how to express themselves verbally and they have false starts. But if your child starts to feel really frustrated and like I was saying, embarrassed or losing confidence is a big one. If they start to lose confidence, no one wants to see that in their child. And if the stuttering starts to increase in frequency or intensity, then it's important to seek out some support and you have every right to be concerned and want to figure out how to treat what's going on. I think it's important to name some of the stuttering symptoms and how it's characterized. So stuttering is um, disfluent speech pattern, and it has some characterizations like repetitions of syllables. For example, if we're saying the word like, a repetition of a syllable or a whole word would be like, 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 or it could be like, 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 you know, it, it, it's, it, that's the nature of that. Prolongations is another one where you take that first phoneme and it's prolonged exactly how it is described. And it would sound like, like, or an abnormal stoppage or a block where there's no sound coming out. There also may be unusual facial or body movements that are associated with this effort to speak. It's very common that that happens, such as eye blinking or moving a body part in an effort to get the sounds out. Now, I will say, um, kind of to jump ahead and say that sometimes using a body part to help create smooth speech is a strategy, but it's done skillfully. And this, what I'm talking about here, when they're using a body part to get a sound out, that's more um, like a not strategically placed, shall I say. That's more just involuntary and an effort to get the speech moving. Something that we also notice quite frequently is tightened muscles in the head and neck. And this is because there are, the efforts to speak are pretty strong. And so these muscles get contracted. Typical disfluencies of someone who stutters Includes these part word repetitions, for example, like I wa 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 want to drink, or a one syllable word repetition, go, go, go away, or these prolonged sounds, Sam is nice, or these blocks or stops that I was mentioning, I want a cookie. So there's this really noticeable block, and you can see it in someone when they're blocks. So those are, like I was saying, the atypical disfluencies of, of someone who stutters. But there are typical disfluencies that we all have in speech that I have in this moment uh, that we have when we're talking to anybody, um, like I just did. Um, that's a typical one. So adding a word or a sound is called an interjection. So I, um, you know, need something or repeating a whole word, for example, well, well, 
I don't agree with you. Or repeating a phrase, he's, he's four years old. So these are all very common. You can even change the words in a sentence. That's called revision. So for example, I had, I lost my tooth. That would be rephrasing, revision, sorry. And not finishing a thought, which we all have. His name is, I can't remember. So those are typical disfluencies. And we contrast those with the atypical disfluencies of someone who does stutter that I was mentioning, the part word repetitions, the one syllable word repetitions, the prolonged sounds, and the blocks or stops. So those are different, as you notice when you're speaking to someone who's having difficulty with their speech. And Oftentimes, what makes it difficult for people to have smooth or fluent speech and contributes to these uh, the factors of stuttering is authority is a big one. When someone is talking to someone who they view as authority, for example, a parent, a teacher, a police officer, a principal, a boss, anyone who they feel is in a position that's higher than them or has a position of power, then that can trigger stuttering. Something I often hear is fatigue and excitement that makes it worse when their child is really excited or really tired, then the speech gets, you know, a little bit more flustered or or not as clear. We all have that to a degree. So you'll notice that um, all of these factors that contribute to stuttering, we all have them in our speech. But what happens with someone who stutters is that it becomes really pronounced and then it really does affect their speech intelligibility. Whereas for uh, someone who's typically producing speech and not stuttering, it may just be unclear or there might be more revisions or something like that. Um, Some other factors that contribute uh, to stuttering for someone who does stutter is this feeling of internal or external pressure. So that's stress, basically. If they feel like they have to meet a deadline, they feel like they're not doing something well enough, that's the internal pressure, the internal stress. Or let's say there's someone uh, on the outside who wants them to get their thoughts out. That's external pressure. Come on, say it, just finish your idea, get going. And then, you know, there's a lot of pressure there. So stress and tension are are huge contributors to variability that we, that we notice when um, people are having disfluent speech. And parents will often say, oh, it gets better or worse, or oh, it goes in phases. That's really, really common. I I mean, super common for parents to say. So that's basically this wave of life experience that's going on where, you know, sometimes we feel more pressure than other times, you know, what's going on in the calendar, what's going on in our life, how are we feeling in our bodies? Those are all contributing factors. There are environmental triggers also, and then kind of coexisting with that emotional situations or novel experiences. Maybe someone starting kindergarten for the first time or um, having to speak at a high school graduation or, you know, anything that's kind of novel or stress provoking. So those are contributing factors of stuttering. Um, We don't know what causes stuttering. I mean, we have all of these, all this evidence of what it looks like and what it does, but really no one knows what causes it. There is family history that can contribute it. There is some data that says that 60% of those who stutter have family members who also stutter. Um, Some people with developmental disabilities, speech and language or other developmental delays, sometimes, you know, they stutter as a kind of a comorbid um, issue that they're dealing with. Definitely, if someone has problems with motor control, that can trigger stuttering. It may not be kind of classical stuttering, but just how their speech is affected motorically. 
And severe medical conditions like head or brain injury definitely can trigger stuttering. And also psycho-emotional stressors. Like I was mentioning before, if you have a high-paced lifestyle or you have high expectations, sometimes we're asking kids to have a really heavy calendar. You know, they have, they're scheduled out big time. And while that's fun and exciting and helpful in a lot of ways, sometimes it's too much for that child's nervous system and people don't realize it. And um, it can create a lot of stress. And then they have to kind of, because, you know, when we change environments, we have to change how we are in that environment. We have to change our mindset. We have to change the speech we use, the language we use, we have to change our emotional content. We have different people we're relating to. And, you know, it's interesting in these days, everything goes so fast and we're expected to adjust, 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 adjust. But really it is a challenge, you know, and I think we all feel that where we just collapse on a weekend or get burnt out. But when you're asking a child who with language and or learning disabilities or speech difficulties, if we if we place the same demand on them to adjust 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 it it can show up you know we can see it it's very apparent so that's something just to be aware of as something that can trigger not that we're blaming anybody or saying anyone's wrong but just to think about you know how we organize our lifestyles and how it's helpful for us and um things that cannot be as helpful and we all have that to consider definitely for different things that we experience um, one question or a main question, uh, that parents often ask is, you know, is this the right time? Should I be seeking help now? And, um, I would say after three and a half or close to four, if your child is showing stuttering, then definitely you want to seek some help before that. It's pretty typical to be developmental in nature. Sometimes you can tell that it's not early on, but still we want to give them the developmental window. I don't want to barge in there unless you, you know, we really feel strongly about it. And I will say that it never hurts to provide language and or speech and language support. It never hurts to provide that. It only is helpful. But for people who don't want to add another thing or have another cost, you know, it's definitely easy enough to wait till after three and a half or even four um, another thing you want to think about is if your child stuttering is persisting beyond three to six months, or you note it to be particularly severe, like I was saying before, and if they're stuttering more often, you want to think about these things and just track it, basically. If your child is tensing up or struggling when they're talking, that's another thing to think about. Okay, maybe I need to get some support because we shouldn't be super tense when we're talking. We, you know, People have to talk every day, all day, and it should be somewhat natural in most circumstances and environments. And another thing is if your child is avoiding talking or said is, says that it's too hard to talk, then you definitely want to see what's going on there. Could be a lot of different things. I mean, stuttering is pretty obvious. We can see that. But um Sometimes it's a little bit nebulous. Sometimes we can't tell exactly what's going on. And that's when a speech therapist is really helpful. So it is seeing a speech therapist is obviously it's the best form of um, treatment. Uh, some people go to see counselors, but uh, in speech therapy, at least in my speech therapy sessions, um, and I know for the people who work with me in my practice, we incorporate an element of counseling. It's, it's re pretty much required for stuttering. There's a lot that goes on with stuttering. Um, that needs that psycho-emotional support. It's maybe not traditional counseling, as you would see, but it's definitely completely tied to the stuttering therapy. 
And um, what we do in this speech therapy setting is not only providing this psycho-emotional support, but the treatment plans are individualized and we give these clients specific exercises that helps them to speak more fluently. Some of these exercises are um, incorporating the breath. A lot of it is around breath. So basically stuttering is it's a neuro, uh, it's a neurological patterning of sorts. We don't know the actual cause, but basically what we like to do is use the breath to change or interrupt what the brain is predicting um, on a neurological level. So when we play with the breath, that helps kind of change the channel for how the brain and the mouth, the, all the motor speech connections are working together. And then we can help to create that fluent speech. And when a person gets really skillful with these strategies, it does take time. And there are a lot of things that impact their skillfulness, uh, motivation and consistency being the two big ones. Um, once they get really good at it, then, you know, they're, they're just pulling out their strategies almost unconsciously and using them. That's where we, that's where we like to get, but initially it doesn't always happen that way. So we have various strategies where we're using the breath, um, and the rate of speech and volume of speech and, and also some linguistic skills and whatnot to help, uh, kids and adults to find their way to more fluent speech over time. And we create goals together and we work with, you know, high interest topics and ideas or, or functional. Some adults, you know, they want to work with what's going on in their everyday work vocabulary or presentations that they have to do. And for kids also in, you know, of a certain age, middle and high school, they might be doing presentations. So we can make it very functional and work on tasks that are associated to their daily life. And then also, of course, conversation. So there's so many interesting ways to work with stuttering that makes it really relevant for their everyday life. In, in addition to having to use the specific strategies. So um, that makes it fun. And uh, what they can also do is they can use a journal and write about different things. I, I have kind of a laundry list that I give them of different things and they can make it shorter or longer and help them track and see what's going on with their speech and when it's what's happening and when it's happening and all of these things. We want to see what patterns there are and help the client just to become more aware of what they're doing and when they're doing it. And of course, if they're little, then the parents can do this for them and communicate with the teacher. You know, we can all work as a team and see what's going on to help them. So, um, you know, but with speech, uh, self-esteem is, you know, intrinsically tied. So we really want to help them get good self-esteem and create positive experiences so that when they're going about their life and their environment, you know, they are starting to feel more at ease and more in control. I think something that really happens with stuttering is people feel out of control and we want them to have a sense of internal control and power, not power in a dominating way, obviously, but power in a really healthy way so that they can feel empowered when they're speaking in front of anybody. Um, so a couple more things on that is I'll say that um, some people believe that you shouldn't draw attention to stuttering. You should ignore it, ignore what's happening. And I don't agree with that. I think that when we name something that it normalizes it and it's not like hiding there, there's nothing to hide and you could start to feel empowered about it. Um, we all have things that are really challenging in our lives. And if we are naming what we're practicing, then that normalization happens. 
And it also, when you name that your child is stuttering, you can support them and they're learning how to create fluent speech. And then they get the self-confidence and they're getting really skillful. There's no need to be ashamed or embarrassed. Embarrassed. We all have challenges that we face in life. And so I always tell kids that, you know, we all have different challenges. You know, when I was in school, math was tricky for me. When it got to higher levels of math, you know, like in high school and whatnot, it became more abstract. And that was trickier for me. Um, language obviously was very easy. So, you know, everyone has where it's a little thing or it could be as challenging as learning disability. I like to empower kids and to help them feel like, Hey, this is what I, this is what I'm working on. And this is what I'm doing about it. Um, and I think these days people are much more open-minded. So that's, I like to help families with that. Um, and on that note, creating mindfulness is super, super important. So, as I said, when we name this experience, of stuttering and the tools that we're using to create the fluent speech. We have this awareness of what's happening. And then because we're really paying attention to it, we're, our awareness is really highlighted. And then we can be in the present moment and we can make those changes because when they're working with these goals to make fluent speech, we want them to be present with themselves. We want them to be mindful enough with themselves so they can notice and I see it all the time. I train kids how to be mindful with their speech all the time. And then they start to tune in and eventually they're self-correcting and then they're generalizing and then they've met their goal. So mindfulness is a, is a big, big tool that I use. And, um, and of course, with that, the mindfulness and presence is they're interlinked. So when you're working with your child and, and obviously, and with the speech therapist and the home program and whatnot, um, you want to practice, you know, looking at your child when they're speaking and of course, spending time with them, helping them feel relaxed. Um, then they're going to, they're going to feel more safe and secure when they make these efforts to speak. And most kids, some kids, actually, I wouldn't say most kids, some kids don't even notice it and they don't want to, they kind of want to ignore it. Um, so it's kind of, it becomes a balance. So it's very individualized how, uh, we work with kids in my practice and we want to be sensitive to each parent-child relationship and the child's relationship to themselves and their speech and where they're feeling connected to it and disconnected. It becomes quite, um, it's complicated as we all are, right? Um, there are some straightforward strategies, but they, but we're working with the complex of being human. And so we take all these factors into account and we work mindfully and also as present as possible with every kid. So on that note, um, if you see any signs or symptoms of stuttering, just let us know. And uh, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow me on Apple and Spotify or on any other podcast platform. And to get more information on speech and language therapy, visit my website at vibespeechtherapy.com.